every great dream begins with dreamers. Tom and Steve are strangers in a strange land. Join them on the journey from ignorance to knowledge, one book at a time, one chapter at a time. All aboard the Blunderground Railroad. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Blunderground Railroad. We are talking about notes from underground each chapter. I am Tom Smith, and we have across the way Stephen Haunt. Hey, how you doing? Chapter number 10, Steve. Yeah, here we are. Yeah, here we are. We got uh, chapter number 10, notes. Digits. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Hey, we're finally double digits, you know, like when you, you turn 10. I always tell 10-year-olds, you know, I say, hey, it's a big deal, you know? Like, uh, you're never going to be a single digit ever again your whole life, Yeah. right? I mean, and if you live to be 100, then you'll be three digits. But you're never going to be one digit anymore. You know, you leave all that behind, you know, which is a shame. And it shows the futility of life because no 10-year-old can actually really grasp that. So you say it, and they kind of look at you like, huh? So chapter number 10, Notes from Underground. So uh, it's an interesting little chapter. Uh, and it has a little bit of a history behind it. Uh, and so there's um, there's a, a letter, uh, I would say, uh, it's a pretty notable letter. It's a letter that uh, that Dostoevsky uh, wrote to his brother, wrote to his brother Michael. And uh, it's basically, it's kind of a gripe letter about Russian censors. Because uh, censorship has always been a thing in Russia. Uh, and so it was a, they censored under communism. But they also censored in uh, in Dostoevsky's time, and so all books had to be submitted to a censor who had uh, say veto power over things. And so, uh, so uh, Dostoevsky wrote this letter to his brother Michael, and in the letter he talks about uh, getting the getting the, the uh, getting the transcript from Notes from Underground, and having that getting that back, and. Um, this chapter, particularly chapter number ten, was heavily redacted. All right, so it was uh, it was heavily censored, and specifically, what was censored out of it was uh, was really the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, really. Uh, so we can see that uh, we've been talking about God, and we've been talking a little bit about the gospel. Uh, and this is a chapter where the underground man is really going to start to frame. Uh, it's because we're going to start to frame things in terms of, of being outside of himself and in terms of religion. We don't know exactly what was written. We don't have the manuscript that we can see what the original one was. Uh, but we can see where he's, he's talking about, like, he's talking about this crystal palace, right? Yep. And this crystal palace was an actual real palace. It was a real place uh, in London. And so uh, Freudor had taken a trip through Europe. And on that trip, he had seen the the palace, and it was a, a building that was constructed entirely of glass, and uh, and um, uh, and cast iron and iron. So it was, just, it was it was all it was framed with iron. It was all glass, and so the mathematicians and the scientists of his day would look at this structure and they'd say, "Well, this is one of the most advanced architectural architecture uh, architectures of history, and this is one of the most advanced buildings." And so they use it as an example of what human beings could do and what they could create and what they could impose upon the world. Right. And so um, for him, and now 
Freudor never agreed with any of that. And so in the chapter, you know, he calls it a chicken coop, right? Yeah. 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 And so, you know, he says, uh, you know, in terms of a, a chicken coop. Uh, and so, um, so he's looking at that. And so he's really drawing uh, the relationship between, you know, if something is perfect and something, uh, something looks perfect, right? That that doesn't compel someone. It doesn't compel someone to, uh, uh, to have to agree with it. You know, it doesn't compel anyone. And he, he wants to stick his tongue out at it. You know, he wants to, he wants to basically stick his tongue out and disdain it, right? Even though it's perfect, he doesn't care that it's perfect. And even though it's quantifiable, he doesn't care that it's quantifiable. Uh, and even though it's apparent and, and it's, it's an object that all of humanity can rally around, he doesn't care. He, he wants to stick his tongue out at it. And so it, there's kind of this hint at the end of the chapter where he's talking about, you know, he's talking about the imperfect. He's talking about things that can't be quantified right. and, uh, and things that can't be said to be perfect and things that you can't come out and say, well, I can prove this in a mathematical table, right? So, um, but I, and I, I personally feel that, uh, you know, that what Dostoevsky was trying to get at here is that human beings have the choice to look at something, imp- to look at something perfect like the Crystal Palace or a sense of utopia like this utopia and stick their tongue out at it. And conversely, they also can look at something that cannot be seen like the Crystal Palace, something that may not make objective mathematical sense like the Crystal Palace, but they can look at something and then they can, whereas I think the first instinct is not to believe right? The first instinct is not to engage. The first instinct is to say, no, that doesn't make sense. However, there's the rub. Just like we can stick out our tongue at the Crystal Palace, we have that clear road, right? To the, to the unknown. We have that clear road, right? To the spiritual where we can, we can, we can, where we can believe unto, you know? um, Well, for some people, it's spiritual for most people mm-hmm. it's just freedom they don't they don't want to be beholden to anything whether it's well we said that this building is perfect right that's just an example uh and you have to believe it too um but they they just want to be able to have their own choice and it seems like maybe the last 3 maybe even 4 chapters uh been focusing on objective and subjective truths yeah that's true and this is no exception. Here again, um, he, without saying objective and subjective truths, he's essentially saying there is no objective truth except the Bible. I'm, I'm sure that that's part of what got redacted out of this. Sure, okay. Sure. Um, because everything else is subjective. Because he can look at that building and he can say chicken coop, and somebody else might look at it and say crystal palace. Um, right. You know, but he also says uh, with quite a bit of humility that, uh, you know, he's got a willingness to change his mind. He's, he's, he challenges people. He says, you know, hey, if it's not this way, if it's not the way that I say it is, uh, change my mind. And, exactly. And he's. Very good. Yeah, exactly. He, he makes a lot of great points. Um, when he, when they keep talking about her, he keeps talking about this utopia, and how it's impossible to build, um, and and for a real utopia to exist, um, I think he's 
he's saying that because he knows the only one is heaven. That's right. it. That's the only perfect place, the only objective truth. Right, exactly. Is the Bible. Yeah, and maybe he's, you know, he has the free will that God gave us to stick your tongue out at anything else. You know, we have that Romans 14, right? Our Christian liberty. Sure. Um, and I found something uh, that he said, you know, tongue in cheek. Yeah. Um, when he... Uh, he says that he wouldn't even happily live in um, the utopia, right? If if he had to stay in the in the chicken coop or in, in the crystal palace, right? Okay. He said that like he'd he'd stay there, but like not happily, right? Yes. And Charlie Daniels said something. <laughs> Bring very, in old Charlie Daniels. Yeah. Very. Right. You know. So you always say the great philosopher, you know? Yeah, the, the great, the, the great, the great philosopher Charlie Daniels. Well. Philosopher, fiddle player, they both start with an F, right? There you go. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so uh, he he said that, um, and it, it was a song called uh, What This World Needs is a, is a Few More Rednecks. He said they're trying to take my guns away, and that would be just fine if y'all take them away from the criminals first. I'll gladly give you mine. Because he knows... Sure. not going to happen. You can't get them away from all the criminals. Right. Again... Like we've pointed out before in this podcast, yep. it's like trying to legislate evil out of society. Right, exactly. You know, so the underground man is just saying, "Yeah, I'll live in your chicken coop or crystal palace, whatever you want to call it." Yeah, but I ain't gonna be happy about it because I know it ain't the crystal palace; it ain't heaven. Right, you're living yeah. in a bubble that you believe is heaven. And you're calling it the crystal palace, right? Boy, amen, man. Well, man, that's that's wonderful. Exactly, right? And and so you can live in there, but he's not going to call it that. And that's the reason why he wants to stick out his tongue. Mm-hmm. You know, he wants to stick out his tongue at it, and he wants to reject it just out of. And there's that word again, spite. spite. Right, spite. <laughs> so I don't know if you if you got a chance to look at that. Last paragraph, um, or if you thought much of it, I did. Sure. I said, but do you know what? I am convinced that we underground folk ought to be kept on a curb, though we may sit 40 years underground without speaking. When we do come out into the light of day and break out, we talk and talk and talk. And as I read that, I just kind of was like, yeah, boy, did you ever. My <laughs> goodness. Why? Because maybe you've had some time to ruminate on some things down there. Right. There you go. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Uh, he makes another point, though, um, bef- bef- just before the end of the chapter. Yes. When he said, uh, it is not my fault that things cannot be so arranged and that one must be satisfied with model flats. Yeah. No, he really does. I, I found that to be kind of a... Um, not not really a, a profound statement. I, I guess I'm I'm searching for the words here but just a very very honest like don't you get it type of statement um where he's pointing back to god again yeah he really you is know? he's like i can't and you can't make things perfect you cannot create this utopia i don't care how many things you create that are nice and great looking mm-hmm. there is no such thing as perfection right boy it's so true um and he's like hey not my fault that these things can't be arranged so even though i'm saying all this you know you get mad at me if you want to but don't look at me we live in a fallen world and i kind of wonder if those words were you know maybe in there and 
and taken out and yeah and we'll never know but well it's he really does a great job of alluding to it uh, you know he, he says and it's right before that point where you were saying he says but while i am alive and have desires i would rather my hand were withered off than bring one brick to such a building don't remind me that i have just rejected the palace of crystal for the sole reason that one cannot put one out one's tongue at it, right? I did not say because I am so fond of putting my tongue out. So if you look before, he says, perhaps the thing I resented was that of all your edifices, there has not been one at which one could not put out one's tongue. And that's a great, uh, I think that's what you were alluding to earlier when you were saying, if you want me to live in this crystal palace, I can live there, right? Yeah, yeah. but... I'm not going to sit there and call it utopia. Yeah, I'm not going to be ignorant. Yeah, exactly, right? Exactly. Yeah. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to be ignorant, right? My my experience of ruminating over this 40 years, my experience of talking to myself, I've seen what I cuz I've seen what I've seen, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to acquiesce to this. I'm not going to look at it and call it what it's not. Yeah, and and not only will he not do that, and he says I will drop your acquaintance. I can retreat into my underground hole. That's that's, oh, yeah, that's if, right. Like if you're not going to listen to me, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. And that that brings back is great. What a great quote from uh, from Dostoevsky. I think we mentioned it before. I don't know if we mentioned it on the podcast or not. Uh, but when he said, "I uh, said, if at any point in time they should try to kill God, we will sh- we will shepherd him underground." Yeah, I can't remember if we if we brought that up here. It was another yeah, I'm not sure. discussion. Yeah, it was a discussion. A great quote, great quote, great quote. If at any time they should kill God, we will take him and we will shepherd him underground. You know, you can't. You know, there's always been, and people have always tried. I mean, people have said, okay, the death of God, or we will kill God, or we'll kill this idea of God, right? Yeah. God will exist underground, and he will exist in the, we will shepherd him. And I love that word, shepherd, right? That, mm-hmm. you know, these people, right, the, the, these these underground men, of which maybe Dostoevsky considered himself one, right? They will, in the ruminations, right? The ruminations, in the refusal to engage, the refusal to call the Crystal Palace a palace of perfection, despite whether or not you live there or not. You know, you can retreat and you'll shepherd that because you'll always, because as long as you're a human being, you'll always have that, that struggle. You always want to stick out your tongue, you know, at anything. Yeah, I, 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 I totally understand what they're saying with the, the word shepherd. I guess the only issue I have is like, as if God needs a, a shepherd. Um, well, no, that's You'll true. only do it through the power of God, but. Well, that's, that's correct. That's being bold for Christ. Writing this book was being bold for Christ, yeah. right? Right. Because he did this in a place that was censored. And what did they censor? You know? Right. And he That's wrote right. it anyway. He really Regardless did. of the persecution he was going to face. And I think you're absolutely right. I mm. think he definitely looked at himself as an underground man. Yeah. Because I th- I think that's like a euphemism for, for him. You know? Yeah. I mean, he's he's writing things that are getting... Right. censored right he's smart enough to write all these things so obviously he knows of them i mean that's a pretty easy inference to draw right there yeah exactly so yeah i think he definitely views himself that way and we don't speaking of the boldness for christ we do sure. not have that today my yeah. goodness oh, oh wait, way to go to minneapolis and be bold for christ nice job oh, oh right oh, i know how about you go to somalia try that i i don't know yeah, I, I 
wherever the Lord leads you to proclaim the name of Christ, go ahead. Yeah. You know? Yep. Um, but for me, I, I look at people that are in Honduras, you know, or yeah. Nicaragua oh, sure. or whatever in, right. in these third world countries that yeah. are really actually suffering, not only persecution yeah. and danger to their lives, but even if their lives aren't in danger, the standard of living that they live every day, the things that they're willing to give up, mm-hmm. right? Like Christ, what did, what did he tell the rich man, right? Sell all that thou hast and follow me. Yeah. And that was what troubled him the most. Yeah. You know? So th- there are people today who are willing to, to do that. And I think you just have to admire that a, a little more than people who are like, yeah, well, you know, I'll go to Boston and be a missionary. I think a lot of it is, you know, is Jesus of Nazareth, right? Jesus, he came as a poor man, all right? You know, and so we have um, Jesus came lower than the people he was preaching to. Yep. And so when when he came, you know, he could have came in, you know, came, you know, that was one of the reasons the you know the the Jewish people, you know, they they, they expected a king. Yeah. Right? They right. wanted a king, someone who's going to come and and someone who was going to proclaim and and. Uh, they so, wanted the Romans conquered. Right. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> they were yeah, they tired, of, the tired of playing nice. <laughs> yeah. That's right. And so uh, and so, but you know, but the Christ didn't come that way. He came, he came meekly. Mm-hmm. All right, and so and yeah. he came, he came with nothing, and and again, uh, and even um, the apostle Paul, you know, when he was ministering to the churches, he didn't want the churches thinking that he was there preaching for you know for a filthy lucre. Nope. He wanted them to know that he was there. He didn't take the money. He said, "I will work. I'll make tents myself." Yep. Because not because I think making tents is, is cool, although it was. He wanted them to know he was doing it for the Lord. Yep. And so and. And he was following the example of Christ himself, right? Who had done that, and right. who hadn't come. You know, Jesus didn't come in and say, "Hey, you know, I'm, I'm, it, it's not like a, it's not like when they try to sell you those condominiums, you know, and then you get the, like the timeshare you know, <laughs> sort of thing, you know, and then it's yeah. so you get in there, and then you got to look at, it and the guy says, "Well, you know, I got this nice suit because five years ago I didn't, you know, I, I was dirt poor, and but now mm-hmm. I'm a millionaire." It's not like that, Don no. Don Lepre, Don Lepre, <laughs> right? There you go, Don Lepre on the beach, right? There you go, yeah, yeah like. Don Lupri and all these guys. Mm-hmm. So the, Jesus came with nothing. And so right. he preached to people uh, who had, uh, he preached to people from that vantage point. And so when, um, you know, we can do that, I think that's a very powerful thing. And so that's always something to keep in mind when you are proclaiming, you know. Yeah. I'm not going to sit behind this uh, microphone and be like, oh, it's so easy to do. Uh, don't don't get me wrong. Sure. All right. Sure. <laughs> I I am not sitting here with some holier than thou attitude. I'm not packing up and headed for Somalia tomorrow. Um, if the Lord wants me there, sure. And that's exactly where I will go. Yeah. Um, but I like it's logistically impossible. Like I I, I don't know. I'd have to like just leave every single thing. I don't I don't know how that would work. The Lord right. would work that out if He wanted me right there. Right. I am a firm believer. Right. He blinded Saul and was like, you know what? That's right. You're Paul. That's fine. You want to blind me and change my name? Not a big deal. Right. Well, look at uh, look at Job, right? Yeah. Oh, man, that, that poor guy. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've compared my life to his more times than I want to. Oh, I know. I know. And that, <laughs> and, that just hurts. And really so unfairly, honestly, to him, because I haven't gone through anything close to what he did. You know, and I don't, you know, listen, myself... I can be shallow at times, uh, and I oftentimes will think of Jonah, 
Uh, now I'm kind of glad it's in the Bible. You know, you read it and it does. It cuts. Scripture can cut. And uh, so I, I think of Jonah. And, you know, he's got the tree, and then he loses the shade. You know, <laughs> he wants to die. You know, God, it, there's it, a way. Yeah, listen, if you're gonna take away this tree, I'd just rather assume die. All right, I, I can't stand it anymore. You know, it's just so shallow because there's all these people in Nineveh that need to hear what Jonah has to say. Uh, and so that is, uh, you know, that is something I think for me personally that I, I, I can always look at. I'm probably more familiar with that story than I than I would be. Um, but I, I taught it at VBS last year. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, so I, I ended up reading it like a ton of times. Sure. I'm sure I could cover every little lesson that was in there. Yeah, and so many. Yeah, it was that was kind of a back and forth book, like, it was like go and you know cry against the city of Nineveh for their wickedness has come up before me. I think is is how it starts, mm. and um, you know he doesn't want to do it at first, but then like he obeys. So I'm like, all right, things are good. things are going good, right? Right. And, right. He's there, and um, but then he's got all this spite. You know, he's like, oh yeah, he's like aha, right. all right, I did my job. Now I'm gonna sit here and wait on God's judgment. This is gonna be great, right? That's right. And then they all repent. And he's like, you gotta be kidding me, right? <laughs> you gotta be joking. <laughs> that's me. right. It worked. Oh. You know? Yes. Yeah, and then then the tree thing. I'm like, wow. Right. Yeah, and right, and and I. That's right. I'm glad that's there, and I I can't uh, I can't remember exactly how it's worded, but is uh, so much as lieth within you, live peaceably among all men. Because I'm like, uh, sometimes right. I'm like, you know what? It doesn't lie within me today. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> like, no. Right. I know it. Okay, I'm just gonna have to avoid that person because today it does not lie within me. But right. You right. Know, that my grace is sufficient for thee. You know when. Right. Uh, when Paul wanted the thorn removed from his side, right? And he well, sought it's, the it, Lord thrice. It, it's so, and we we do this. We do this today. I mean, all the time. And people, like even in the the political um, the realm, you know, left versus right. You know, we don't look at. Um, you know, we see that people. You know, oftentimes I'll see people that don't believe, and then it's like you see them struggle through with with all these these scientific facts and and these you know like people don't science makes observations, all right, and they makes observations about things, mm-hmm. all right, but science doesn't look at the why. I mean, it's not going to say okay, why you know why is this process exist it why does it exist in the world and why does it benefit one thing over another it will make observations and so as a scientist you can look at so many observations uh and you can become overwhelmed with it all right deceived even and yeah (laughs) yeah but to see that though and people that are striving after this mathematical perfection right the underground man says it here uh he says he says um he was talking about the edifices. He says, um, on the contrary, I would let my tongue be cut off out of gratitude if things could be so arranged that I should lose all desire to put it out. Mm-hmm. You know, if, 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 if these mathematicians and these scientists could come along and you could say, okay, well, let me lay it out for you. I got, you know, you know this mathing, right? One plus one equals two. Okay, sure, I, got, I know that. Okay, and then we can extrapolate it out. And they showed you all of it and you could see it all. And they're like, okay, well, you can clearly see here there's no God and we all need to go to the Crystal Palace because it's utopia. Right. And at that point, I mean, I guess, like, cut out your own tongue, right? Yep. You'd say, well, I guess we go to the Crystal Palace and we extrapolate out what we're going to do for 30 years, yeah. you know? Right? Pro- prove me wrong. Yeah, prove me wrong, right? Right. And so, right? But you can't. You, yes, right, you can't. And if you can't quantify that, if you can't have that certainty inside of the world, well, then... 
you're going to have it outside the world, right? You're going to go and you're going to, you're going to say, so if you can't look at the crystal palace, you look at the crystal palace and you want to stick your tongue out at it. You reject it. Right. And you, uh, you look at history and you see the history of man, right? You see what, what, you know, you see, um, man doesn't change you know we look back and we can see the the child sacrifices they just found another one i think a couple days ago uh um i forget where exactly it was but they found another uh they found another pit uh with children uh and so um wow that was about last week and it was a uh, it wasn't uh, it wasn't as old as uh, some of the ones in the bible but uh they were uh, they found a pit of child child sacrifice and no one knows why like why would people sacrifice children on such a mass scale and then in the Bible, you can look at it and see people, you know, people sacrificing their children to God. Well, look at how many aborted babies we have in the 20th century alone. And so um, we have, uh, you know, and so people don't really change. You can look at history and you don't see that progress. I don't know how far back they looked in history or if they just followed the traditions of their fathers, which is preached against in the Bible. But um, uh, today, history it goes back about a week. I think just about <laughs> people. People don't look at people don't look at history. Yeah. See, if they did, we wouldn't have the crazy problems that we have today. Right. Right. They, they don't look and see like, oh, okay. We don't learn from our mistakes. Yeah. That is our that's our biggest problem is we just don't look at our mistakes. Everybody is betting eternity on something. And this is a conversation I try to have with people when I witness them on Saturday mornings. Excellent. If they give me the time. Um, if it doesn't seem like they're going to uh, just let me open the Bible and read them any of that, uh, you know, rather than be thrown off their doorstep, sure, I'd like to say something to them. Sure. So I'll have a carnal conversation with them, which, whatever, it's apologetics. It's not my favorite thing to do, but sure, it's what I get forced into. So I'll say, look, we're all betting eternity on something, right? Like we've right. all thought about what happens when we die. Yeah. And they'll agree to that. And I say, wouldn't you like to base that on historical fact rather than just, well, it was a fleeting thought and I don't really know. Because most people end up at, I don't really know. Yeah. Some people pick something and then I'm like, okay, what do you base what you just picked on? What historical facts can you tell me right now Yeah. to back up what you're believing. Because remember, we're not talking about dinner tonight. We're not rolling the dice on that. Right, yeah. You're rolling the dice on your eternal soul. Yeah. You're rolling the dice on forever. Yeah. It's like, try to comprehend this right now. I know it's right. 9.45 on a Saturday morning. Sure. But try to really think about what you're doing. Like, your heart mm. is not going to beat forever. It's going to stop one day. Is your only hope really that like, well, you know what? I'm, pr it's probably just black and I have no conscience forever. Right. Like that's your hope. Right. That's, that's what you're banking on. That, that sucks. Yeah. Right. Like, I'm sorry. If I live my whole life as a Christian. Right. Right. Because Christianity, if you know scripture, yeah. is not a do, do, do religion. It's a done. Christ did it for us. Yeah. They don't, a lot of people do not understand the liberty you have as a Christian. Yeah. Because he doesn't remember our sins. Right. right. 
their their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. I so we don't have to do all these things, and that's what these people that I show up at their door, you know, they feel inconvenienced just by me being there. Sure, right? and, and I can't really judge them for that. Like two years ago, I was the same way. I was like, why are you bothering me right now? Yeah, but I once you know, it's a little. Like, oh, man, you guys really got to figure this out because mm-hmm. you could be on WMR tomorrow in a car accident, and right. that could be it. This could be your only chance, and if you've rejected Christ, then depart from me. I never knew you is what you're going to hear. Yeah. And uh, you don't want to hear that. That's so terrible. I Just if if you're rolling the dice on something, just take 10 minutes, figure it out, back it with some history. Yeah. And go on from there. You do not have to be a biblical scholar to get into heaven. If you did, mm-hmm. you wouldn't see me there. I'm not headed there. Right. I know I'm headed there. Right. I'm I am covered by the blood of Christ. Yeah. I know that. Yeah, amen. Because Acts sixteen thirty one says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Right. Romans ten nine. We know what that says. Yep. I'm good. I am good. Yep. Nothing but the blood of Jesus, brother. Right. Does that mean we go and do whatever we want? No. But you grow. In the grace and knowledge right. of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Yeah, amen. Grow. When I plant something, it does not grow the next day. Most time when I plant something, it doesn't grow at all, actually. Sure. I think I'm, I, I kill just about anything. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm telling you, it's bad. Um, but when you, when you grow, yeah. it takes time. And sanctification is a never ending process. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, so. If you're listening and you're not a Christian and you think that we're perfect or you think you have to be perfect to go to heaven, you don't. Right. That's not the way it is. If you think you you have to do this, you have to do it. No, 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 and no. Yeah. May I recommend Romans 14 to you? Just read it. You might feel a little more at ease about following Christ. You know, the uh, the underground man himself, he, you know, he mentions that, uh, you know, you have to assume, you have to assume that man isn't stupid, Right. Because if man is stupid, then whom can be wise? Who can be wise? Uh-huh. Right? You know, I mean, yeah. and so, like, you don't have to go to Harvard to figure this stuff out, right? I mean, so you have to assume that humans aren't stupid. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're not going to, so, you know, whether or not, whether you say, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to worship God out in the woods, you know, or I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious, or yeah. all, all these things, or, you know, or I was raised Catholic, or, or these other things that people will say, mm-hmm. you know, is... You know, you have to assume man is not stupid. That 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 pull, right, to the outside of what you don't know, that pull to the outside, right, is always there. And you're always pulled towards that. And then that process never stops. Right? You're you, you know, you to the underground man, he's seen that crystal palace, right? Oh, look at that crystal palace, that perfect utopia, right? All yep. the mathematicians, right, with their tables, right? Yep. He's gonna stick his tongue out at it and he makes it clear. If you give me perfect rationality, right, I will tear it down. I will, I will become mad, right, and I will simply to tear it down because I won't have it, right? Mm-hmm. And because he's not looking at the world. He doesn't want to look at buildings or things or people or even human relationships. So to him, he's looking outside of that, right? Yep. I mean, he's looking outside of that. We do this all the time, and, and even in our modern age, right, we do this all the time. People that live in the city— Right. If you're living, if you're listening to us right now, and you're in a big city, then you certainly have uh, a lot of context you can apply here. Mm-hmm. If you live in a big city, right, chances are you're working for a big corporation, and you're and and so you're probably working for a boss, 
and you're really not connecting anything that you do to make money to what you have in your life, right? And so if you're living in a big city, a big urban environment, and so maybe you write code for a living for something that you have no interest in, and then what do you dream about all the time? So you, you want, you're not dreaming for a life in the city. You're dreaming for a life outside of the city. You want to be on a farm, right, where things are, where things are real, you know, and, and so it's where you can connect your labor to what you do, right? right. Like, uh, like the grapes that we, we, we turned into jelly. And so now that's, you know, grape jelly is going to last us throughout the winter time, And so we can have it all winter. But whenever I have a peanut butter jelly sandwich, I connect that jelly to m- the labor of myself and my family. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's something that's real. And, and if you get that, but then it never really stops. You know, even at that, you can still apply that same standard. And so you're always looking. You're always looking. And so you see that you're not going to find. You're never going to get there. You know, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to get there. Uh, there's no getting there in this world. You know, nope. you're going to, you're going to look outside the world. And in this chapter, right, I mean, the underground man, he's kind of like, 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 if I look around, I can stick my tongue out at every single thing. And mm-hmm. I don't need, you know, I don't need to have this sense of, you know, all this sense of justice and inertia, right? So I can stick my tongue out at every single thing. So at the end of the day, I have the choice to not stick out my tongue. Mm-hmm. And if I'm going to do it, it's not going to be at anything in this world. It's going to be something outside of that. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, you know, and then we have that call, you know, that call is there. So don't ignore it. You know, don't just describe it to nature, although you can see nature all around you and it screams. It, yeah. For God. And if you wonder if you have, if, if you're in a city right now and you're like, well, I don't know. I don't. I don't think I have that pull, you know, to the outside. Sure. Really? Where do you take your vacations? Do Do you vacation to the biggest city you can find? Boy. Or do you run to the mountains and the lakes? Boy. There you go. The Bible teaches us not to join house to house. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Right. No, that's true. Yeah. No. You You like your space, right? Right. Well. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Right. Think about that for a second. You yeah. know. Yeah, um, but that's the thing. You know, our, this world has us so busy that the distractions, you know, um, that Satan uses to to keep people from finding Christ. So many distractions. But he's there. He's there with his arms open, and he's waiting. Uh, but he won't be forever. You right. know, behold, he stands at the door and knocks. Right. Right. You bet. Amen. So, yeah, this was a good chapter. It really was. It really was a great chapter. And to really extrapolate that and to see that 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 part is, is kind of interesting, though, you know, because you can see that, um, you know, where we can see that, God, we have that hole in our heart. You know, there's kind of like this hole in this chapter. And then you can you, you see God screams out even then, even then. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, very nice little chapter. Um, there's lots of there. And uh, so just like the underground man, uh, we encourage you to look beyond the physical world and look to where, uh, look to where you are being called, and look to where God is calling, and that still small voice, and um, so and to do that. Yeah, Amen. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right. Well, sometimes we do like the underground man does, and we break out. We we break out and we talk and talk and talk and talk and talk, and other times. 
Well, we move, well, we've done a lot of talking, and now we're going to, next time, talk about chapter number 11, which is the last chapter in the first part. So we're going to go into the second part of the book, which will be very exciting. Uh, but next time, we're going to talk about it, we're going to wrap it all up, and we're going to do some overthinking with the, uh, with the underground man. Thank you for joining us today. And with that, we will sign off, and we will see you next time. Thank you for joining Tom and Steve on the Blunderground Railroad. Join us next time as we seek to travel from ignorance to knowledge. And check out their other podcasts, Notes from Blunderground and the Digital Blunderground. See you next time 